Welcome to the Style Free Podcast, where a father and son detail and digress on a wide variety of topics within music, art, family, and culture. Your hosts are Professor Stephen J. Tyson Sr. and Jr., also known as Dad and Papa. In today's episode, we discuss the African and Indian influences in Black American music growing up in the 1960s and race and politics in America today. It's good, good to be back with you again. Yeah, likewise, Dad. Talking about how music is part of the fabric of, of, of all of our lives. And as you know that I love the, the DNA threads that connect different generations, even some different styles of music, of course. We're all one from, from my perspective. We're connected to the, to the earth. We're connected to the cosmos. We're all, you know, everything is, is connected. Mm-hmm. It, it, I think it, it fosters self-reflection, better communication, better mm-hmm. understanding. And um, so I think it's all, all good all the way around. We had talked about some ideas, different themes and, uh, that we could talk about. There are certain songs. I, I, I know we have a playlist that you had put together. Mm-hmm. And I, I certainly want to take a look at that. Like one of the songs that you have on your list is, is um, Bo Diddley. It's an incredible song. And I think, I, I think it's, the reason why it's incredible to me is because thinking about when that song came out, I think it came out in 1955 or so. Yeah, between 55 and 58, he started recording. And then his first album was released on Chess Records in 58. Yeah, yeah. So I was born in the midst of that, you know, so I feel very much connected to that time. His beat, his, his, you know, boom, 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 boom. Now, in a way, that's kind of a, a clave beat. It's either, you know, two and three or three and two, right? So that Latin groove or, or, or connection there, I think, is really strong. That brings us back to people like Mario Bautza and uh, Machito and Dizzy Gillespie and Chano Pozo, you know, in the previous decade, the 40s, bringing that Latin flavor and bebop and innovation and all that stuff together, big band sound. And it's all reconnecting just the strings that came off of various African musical cultures. Too. That, that, that's what I, that's exactly, exactly. It, it connects back to Africa. And so that strong presence, you know, he's not Segovia. I mean, he's not trying to run the scales and everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's that beat. It's that groove. And, and that, yeah, yeah. It's 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 hypnotic. Mm-hmm, you know. Yeah. And then he's plus he's got that that. Um, uh, I guess it's a it's a, a delay or something on it where. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's um. It's yeah, let's, just, let's yeah, let's check yeah, it out. Yeah. Real quick. Listen, okay. <laughs> You're listening to it and you say, oh, well, you know, it's very simple. There's not, but it's very powerful in its simplicity, in its mm-hmm. apparent simplicity. Mm-hmm. You know, the guy with the, you know, the maracas. You, know, you have that in Latin music, right? And then also it's like the shekere and of course the drum, the beat. I mean, you you just feel the beat. And that and that's one of the, the hallmarks of, of rock and roll is that beat, whether it's a back beat. I mean, I even hear that backbeat in, in Stevie Wonder's music, songs like That Girl or um, I Wish. That's why I always, as you know, I always like music that has that you can clap to. It's got that we're all in this together. We're all, yeah. you know, it's a church-like thing, if you want, or a congregation or congregation of people coming together for a celebration. Did you also notice in his vocal delivery, you can see a connection to rap? 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, and like yeah. different phrases and stuff that he was using. And like for first it all the last line of each line kind of rhymed. But, yeah. but beyond the simplistic rhyme scheme, there's I mean the cadence of it and, and how he was finding the pocket of the beat to put his words in. Yes. Um, really cool. Yes, yeah. No, and that's also there's like good. a it, it, it has like an island vibe too, and how he was playing the guitar as well. Like um it reminded me of like Hawaii or you know. <laughs> that's exactly what I, I was just gonna say that. That 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 you know, wow, wow. You would hear and as I, I was looking for a slide on his finger too to see if there was anything like that he was using, but I didn't see one. That's a very good point because the blues players, you know, used to use that. They would use, you know, the neck of a Coke bottle or something. Yeah, yeah. And 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 I always wondered the connection between that and what the blues players were doing and and the Hawaiian sound. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think um Dick Dale and and some other people used to play what they call surf music. Mm-hmm. You know, what the connection is there. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's interesting. You think about like some of the Samoan and various like ethnic and indigenous island cultures and how there's mm-hmm. still a direct connection. The other thing that I, I heard when listening to that, for lack of a better term, Hawaiian or blues sound, I thought of, uh, you mentioned Africa, I thought of King Sonny Ade. Mm-hmm. Juju music. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that he has in some of his music is that kind of has that Hawaiian flavor. So I think that's one of the things that he brought into uh, high life juju music, you know, in West mm-hmm. Africa. So it's it's one of the signature sounds of that classic quote unquote period. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. It's all connected. Yeah. You know, you think about Jay-Z and other or Timbaland, I should say, bringing the Indian East Indian mm-hmm, mm-hmm. flavor that was that was big for a while in in yeah. hip hop, right? Yeah, yeah, and like songs like Big Pimpin', you know, or or other, you know, he he had uh, his solo album or not solo because it was Timbaland and Magoo, but uh, they'd put out an album where I think there was a song called Indian Carpet on it. Um, <laughs> yeah, there was definitely you know for a while a flavor of a lot of. Uh, Indian music being sampled in hip hop. I mean, even Dr. Dre got into it whenever he did his song "Addicted" oh, for Truth yes. um with Rakim, and it, it actually sampled. I think it was Lata Manganeshkar. She's a popular Bollywood singer throughout like the '70s and '80s, but she uh, had a song called "Tora Risham Lakda Hey." I think it's called. I, again, mm-hmm. I'm not pronouncing it right, probably, but that's the song that was sampled in Dr. Dre's. Uh, production for Truth Hurts song. Mm. Oh yeah, Truth Hurts. But then he ended up, yeah, but then that song got pulled from a lot of download services or then now a lot of streaming services because Mm -hmm. of copyright issues with with how that played out. And, you know, you can think about even with, you know, another example of Rakim with Indian music being uh, taken uh, and sampled, but then having running into copyright issues is even the original uh, version of Paid in Full had that sample of an Indian woman's voice in it Mm -hmm. that, they ran into copyright issues. And so for years, the version of Peyton Full that you hear on the radio or whatever, it didn't have her voice in it. Ah. And so there's a deluxe version, I think that was recently released in the past, sometime within the last 10 years or so, but has put that original version back into it. But yeah, yeah, there's definitely a lot of overlap between uh, various Indian music too and hip hop. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we can also uh, look at how Indian music also, you know, manifested itself in um, music of people like Miles Davis. 
mm-hmm. you know, you can go back to the Beatles, of course, and mm-hmm. uh, how George Harrison and, you know, learned how to play the, the sitar and, you know, studying with, uh, I guess, I think it was Ravi Shankar. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and then Miles then starts incorporating tabla drums and his music yeah. by the 70s. And, you know, it just, it just takes off. Uh, in fact, when you listen to some of that music now, that he was creating. You can see that global influence. He's got the, the the African references, not that he had African musicians per se in his in his music. He did have an Indian musician playing the tablas and all that. But but just the 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 rhythm, the electric guitars, the, the fusion of the rock and the jazz, the trumpet, the improvisation, all of that stuff coming together was quite groundbreaking. And mm-hmm. and I mean Others had sort of played with certain aspects of that, but by force of personality and and just all the weight of history and everything behind him, he was able to forge it had and bringing a lot of incredible people, you know, the Keith Jarrett's, the Chick Corea's, rest in peace, mm-hmm. you know, and all these other incredible musicians, Gary Bartz and and so on and so forth. So and I'm wondering how many hip hop artists pay attention and they look to the jazz musicians who were, you know, whether it's the Sun Ra's and 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 the Miles Davises and 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 others, you know. I think more than people would expect. Mm-hmm. Um and before I answer that question too, definitely you had mentioned Ravi Shankar and his connection with Miles as far as jazz and then just, just the lineage of blues and et cetera. And it's amazing how Ravi's daughter ended up in the jazz and blues world very heavily uh, in Nora Jones. And so then how oh, she was yeah. able to kind of take that and carry that forward in her music too that's true that is true yeah yeah but when it comes to i guess hip-hop and thinking about its connection to jazz and and some of those blues i mean definitely artists like kendrick lamar uh have been uh intentional in in connecting with maybe not so much some of the earlier jazz or i shouldn't say earlier but pioneers so to speak um in jazz because one a lot of those guys aren't alive anymore but then you know folks who are still alive like you know herbie hancock and folks he's definitely built a connection with or you know we've able to see his interviews and assume then relationship and connection with uh um quincy jones and Mm -hmm. so but he also has connection uh, with, you know, current folks like Kamazi Washington uh, mm-hmm. and Terrence, uh, Terrace Martin and Thundercat and, you know, other folks who are definitely keeping a lot of that tradition alive right now, too. Um, but yeah, then yeah. other folks like Rest in Peace to Mac Miller, who definitely mm-hmm. had a appreciation and understanding of jazz uh, and blues and its foundation for, you know, everything that laid into what we know as hip hop today. And so, you know, had he not passed, we would have been able to see a lot more of that coming from him because he was definitely expressing that a lot more openly leading up into his passing. So, yeah, I think that's 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 all right, because I think then it, it becomes not I mean, obviously, there's a healthy competition and all of that. And and, um, you know, you want to outdo and do better than but you also really want to do your best Mm -hmm. do what you can do the best that you can do it some of the bebop guys you know when they when they would look at lewis armstrong initially they didn't like his um smiling and grinning and that sort of thing and Mm -hmm. they felt that it was um like they wanted given the context of the times you know coming out of world war ii and Mm -hmm. you know just 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 this new way of thinking, you know, about yourself and your presentation as an artist, 
Mm-hmm. Not just an entertainer. Mm-hmm. Not just an, mm-hmm. you're an entertainer, but not just an entertainer. But you're an artist to be respected. It's about being respected. You know, there was some some a bit of tension, but then they came to appreciate him much more because of what he was bringing in terms of his technique, his approach. Mm-hmm. You know how that opened up the doors. It comes with maturity, right? Yeah. When you get older, you start saying, you know what? Wow, yeah. Well, I'm here, but he been there. He kind of opened up this space, you know, so that I could come through and and do me. So respect, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And 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 so they performed together. And then there's a great photograph of Miles. Mm-hmm. And and from from Louis Armstrong to Roy Eldridge to Dizzy Gillespie to Miles Davis. This is 1970, you know, the year that that um, I think Lewis died that year. And Miles is there and they're talking. I think it's in Columbia Studios. There mm-hmm. was a recording of some kind going on. And uh, so a lot of the Columbia artists were there and 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 Lewis is there. And there's a couple of photographs of him looking serious and then smiling like, you know, like Miles had said something funny and they're both, mm-hmm. you know, having a moment. It's always good to see. To, to to show that it's a community, it's a it's a musical family. Yeah, and you don't always get along with you know everybody in the family, or there's all kinds of situations that'll come up. But at the end of the day, you can come back and acknowledge and say, hey, one way or the other, we're we're still all connected. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now you have some. I know you have some other um, songs up there. Yeah. Here, let's let's check let's check out Earth on Fire Sunday morning. Yeah. Man, that's that's a great, 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 great song. I mean, well produced. The sound is like classic Earth, Wind, and Fire. I mean, yeah. what I call the horns, the writing, the the way in which the song is structured. Yeah, it takes you in different places throughout it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That I, and, and, and it's like like the uh, like the guitar solo is it's it has its own separate energy almost from like. The rest of the song too, <laughs> and yet it's all connected, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what I mean. That that exemplifies, you know, this idea of um, the different textures and things that different musical instruments, like individuals, you know, bring to a situation, and how it can be shaped into something that's that's beautiful, and the content of it is something that is uplifting, mm-hmm. you, know? Mm-hmm. you know, which makes it even even that much better. Yeah, we're talking about the, the Indian music and all of that. You can hear Indian music in Earth, Wind, and Fire's music on some of their recordings. I think Powerlight. Mm-hmm. I think it was Zakir Hussain, who was the the tabla player that recorded with them. And uh, I think Zakir um, also played with uh, Miles Davis as well. And uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire was one of Miles Davis's favorite bands. <laughs> nah. One of his favorite bands, you know. Wow. He said, man, they get down. They get down. <laughs> yeah. And 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 Maurice, he knew, he knew I'm coming out of Memphis, right? Mm-hmm. Talk about the blues. I mean, he knew the he knew the blues. You know, he knew gospel, you know, mm-hmm. sang in the choir. You know, he and Verdine, you know, are also brothers. They had different fathers. Mm. But but the the point is, is that regardless, they're they're still brother. There was there's also Fred White who played the drums mm-hmm. in the original Earth, Wind, and Fire, like the first uh, iteration. Well, there was the first jet iteration was um, before Philip Bailey and and mm-hmm. uh, but but Verdine was always there from the beginning. Mm-hmm. 
when it had the salty peppers <laughs> and the salty peppers, you know, became the first iteration of, of um, Earth, Wind and Fire. Then by 72, Last Days in Time, I think, then you get the, the, the Philip Bailey and, and, and all the rest. And then by the time Sunday morning comes out, uh, Sonny Emery's on drums at this point. Sonny Emery's on drums. And you saw also on drums, uh, or maybe it was Tim Bali, gotcha. I'm not sure exactly what he was playing, was uh, Ralph Johnson. Yeah, yeah. And Philip Bailey was playing some percussion, too. And he was playing, that's right, always played congas. So, so they had the, the Latin connection there. They used to play with um, Santana, you know, mm-hmm. for a period of time. And if you think about songs like Evil, mm-hmm. uh, which, was, which was classic, I think it was on the Head to the Sky album. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was big. We used to listen to that in high school, man. You know, <laughs> running through our brain. Da, 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 da. Uh-huh. Oh, man, the way that song stuff. I mean, it's just absolutely incredible. And it had that Latin groove, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 very much so. so. It's like, it's like, that's one of those songs. It's like, it's almost like a train going down a track. It's just yeah. not stopping. It's just, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And and I think that's an important point because we talked about the Latin present, Machito and, and mm-hmm. Dizzy and, and all these folks. But um, even in the earliest days of, of jazz, they had... Um, what uh, Wynton Marsalis calls the Latin tinge in music coming out of New Orleans and other places, because, you know, you have the Spanish, you have the French, you have the African. It's a, it's a stew. It's a melting pot of a lot of different sounds coming out of there. And so I, I think it's a, it's important, particularly in this day and age when, you know, Latinos, uh, Latinx are becoming a significant a significant number of Latinos in this country are changing. There are more Latinos, I believe, than than even African Americans. And there, and, but there is also Afro Latinos, mm-hmm. people who identify with their African roots and that connection and so forth. And that's manifesting itself in music, as it did with the Boogaloo, the mm-hmm. original Boogaloo, <laughs> in the '60s. Mm. And it was kind of a fusion because it had English lyrics. Often we had linked English lyrics yeah. with. Latin and soul grooves. Then you think about people like the Isley Brothers, who brought a lot of energy and different sounds from different cultural experiences, you know, into their music. They had the church. They had a little bit of Latin or African-related grooves in their music. I mean, it just goes on and on. And I think that that, that the the reason I'm, I'm kind of hopping on the Latin part is because this is a time, I think, where people can get easily divided there's always been well if you're if you're a latino you're supposed to look a certain kind of way mm-hmm. you know I, I remember depending on what your complexion was that determined your your status that the, the color thing played itself out right. in latin culture as it did you know with the paper bra- bag uh, the brown paper bag mm-hmm. test and all that, yeah, yeah, yeah. How did that too. affect you then? Also, like being black and Puerto Rican, being Afro Latino, and then well, by proxy, then me being also Afro Latino. Yeah, having that connection. I think that um, well, it's it. First of all, I just embraced all of that. We grew up, you know, listening to uh, the charanga of, uh, of uh, Johnny Pacheco, you know, and we, we would see our relatives who lived in Spanish Harlem. And 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 my mother, I, I never saw her as anything but, you know, my mother. I never thought about she, 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 you know, black and, or, you know, Latina, you know, I mean, yes, a Puerto Rican and all of that, but I never thought of her in, in, in respect to color. Mm-hmm. What came through was the heart. 
the heart, you know, mm-hmm. you know, the intellect, the heart, all of that, and that sense of family, sense mm-hmm. of family. You hear it today. Whenever we get together, and it's it's at Christmas or Thanksgiving or whatever, there's always that moment where she makes a statement. Mm-hmm. And what does she always remind us of? Your generation, the younger ones, you know, Ricky and all of that, to love each other. Yeah. You know? Love, as Grandpa would say, love everybody. Yeah. You know? Doesn't mean you always have to like everybody. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> you respect them as, as human beings. You know, you love them as human beings, you know. And yeah. it's that, that ethos that, that carried through. So I never thought about that. I, I, I just embraced the, the Spanish rice and, you know, going mm-hmm. to a Radiante, you know, restaurant on Southern Boulevard in the South mm-hmm. Bronx. Yeah. And then also having the opportunity, having the opportunity also to grow up in New York, too, in a place that's so diverse, it lessens the the thought about there being, you know, something askew or an anomaly or a, or something different about, you know, having a Puerto Rican mother and a Afro-Caribbean father. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right about that. And, and I would say also that the public school system that mm-hmm. I went to also reinforced that because mm-hmm. we had kids from all over the Bronx. Yeah. You know? and, and when I went to music and art, forget about it. The music and art was like the United Nations. I mean, everybody from every walk of life, basically, Chinese, American, Latino, Black, Southern, Caribbean, European, Eastern European roots, Russian roots, whatever. All of that was there. It was, a they say, a melting pot or a fabric or a, or a salad or whatever. Right, right, right. But we never, we never thought about that. Mm. We, you know, we, just, we just embraced, this is, this is normal. This mm. is normal. And then what would, you, what would it then feel like in the context of then Martin getting killed or Malcolm getting killed or the Black Panthers coming up and like knowing that there's definitely these inter and even at times intra-racial tensions going on. It couldn't have all, all, always felt, I guess, like a space of utopia. No, no, it didn't. Um, it, it's, 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 all, it, it's as if life interfered, <laughs> inter- interjected itself into, into, into that, that space. But, but growing up in that space kind of fortified us mm-hmm. to be able to, to deal with those kind of situations when they did occur. Mm-hmm. See, I remember March of 1968 when I went to Hunter College to see Martin Luther King speak. Mm-hmm. And it was supported by 1199, which was a union, you know, which had um, a lot of um, hospital workers and, and, and the like, many different, different workers. And and having that 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 energy of his presence, you know, being there and speaking to us, bringing us together toward something better mm-hmm. for all of us. Definitely coming from the black perspective, but also ultimately bringing us all all together. He didn't like everybody, I'm sure that he encountered, you know? <laughs> right? But but as a as a human being at the core, he I believe he felt that there was something that could be redeemed within the, within the individual. You mm-hmm. know? Even if you, you disliked or vehemently disliked, whether it's their politics or their, um, their attitude or the way they came at you, 
you know, that sort of thing. That behind all of that, that there was something there. And and you 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 couldn't kill that that deeper essence or love within yourself in order to fight that. Yeah. You had to fight with love. Yeah. To take it on that way. So so we were we were fortified, I believe, that way. Now, is it easy to do that? Was it always like, uh, well, yeah, this person said that, so I just accept them. And, <laughs> but, <laughs> right, just keep turning the other cheek. Yeah, when, well, when you come up in New York, it, it's not it's not so right. easy to do that. You know what right. I mean? Because nobody, you know, people don't always give you that space or that grace. But I think you do the best that you can, and you you stand where you are. You stand in your truth, and and I think if you're if you're if you're honest with yourself, at the end of the day. I mean, you you can't you can't control every every situation, but you can control how you respond yeah. to the situation. You know, very much so. Yeah. So then, two weeks, two and a half, three weeks later, mm-hmm. he's assassinated. I have the radio on because I'm usually listening to WABC. I'm listening to WMCA, Home of the Good Guys. Uh, I'm listening to WWRL, Super Sixteen. All of this, this, this music, mm-hmm. and it's interrupted to say that uh, we have this report that Martin Luther King's been killed in Memphis, Tennessee. I thought he said Memphis. I never heard of Memphis. I, I wasn't, you know, wasn't in my head. And you were twelve, or like eleven, twelve at this point. Oh, going on twelve, yeah, yeah. So I called your grandmother, mm-hmm. and she came in. I said, "Mom, I just heard on the radio." She said, "What? What?" Oh my God, no! And she 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 just burst into tears. I mean, she was she was crying, and I hadn't seen her that way since I remember when we were sent home, when John Kennedy was killed five yeah. years ago, and they sent us home from school. School was canceled, mm-hmm. and they sent us home from elementary schools. PS thirty six in the Bronx, and she was crying. Her eyes were red, and and uh, just. You know, to live through that, you know, to live, then Bobby Kennedy and Malcolm. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when Malcolm was killed, but I wasn't paying as much attention to him at that time. But we had some um, uh, friends who had just moved in, just moved in around the time that he was assassinated. They were they were Muslims, black Muslims, mm-hmm. quote unquote, mm-hmm. uh, from Nation of Islam. And he ran a store in Harlem for, for the nation. And so he had his kids and they moved into Skyview. And he had a huge green Cadillac, and or or was it an L? What was the name of that car that the um, that the Green Hornets car was was based on? Nineteen sixty six Chrysler Imperial Crown Sedan. Chrysler Imperial. Okay, yeah. So they they had a car like that, <laughs> and, uh, and and but it was green. It was like a darkish green color. Yeah. <laughs> But but to answer circle back to your your how did I respond to the situation when people would come up? So Martin is killed and I go to my school. I'm going to the Fieldston School, right? Mm-hmm. The elementary, the lower school. Gil Scott Heron at that time was in the upper school at the time, mm-hmm. but I never I never encountered him. That would have been interesting. Yeah. And I wore your your grandmother made us wear a black armband mm-hmm. as a sign of respect. You know, in the old days, whenever somebody, a family member, something like would would die, you'd wear a black armband. Mm. 
Did you know that? Vaguely. I thought it might have been like a military thing or something like that. I don't know where it came Maybe from. Maybe it was. I don't know. Uh-huh. But, but that's I, what... I think I'd seen it symbolically at some point when I was way younger. Like, yeah, yeah. So so I went to, to, the, to, the, to the school. I had the black armband. And this guy named Philip, a friend of, a friend of mine, I mean, I thought he was a friend of mine. You know, he was white, and um, as was mo- most of the school anyway. He looked at my armband, and he said, why are you wearing that? I said, well, you know, Martin Luther King was killed, you know? He said, oh, yeah, I heard about that. <laughs> oh, look at me, I'm shot. So I went, and I punched him in his chest. Yeah. And and I was I was upset and people held back. He said, "What'd you do that for?" You know, he pulls apart and then later on, I think he apologized or something like that. You know, but uh, it was at that moment that I realized this sort of a disconnect, a separation. Mm-hmm. We used to listen to song. I don't know if we had the album. I think it was written by um, the Mighty Sparrow, and it was called Martin Luther King for President. <laughs> and we used to listen to that. He says. Martin Luther King for president. Martin Luther King for president. And he's got a part of the song where he he has a spoken word type part. And then and then he goes into and we want Martin Luther King for great, 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 great song. And then that, that's what we listen to in our home. Yeah. You know? And the people who ran for, you know, black folk who ran for president, you know, I don't. You know, a lot of people don't know that, um, uh, well, maybe, I don't know, this generation doesn't know that Shirley Chisholm, mm-hmm. you know, ran for president, that Dick Gregory ran for president, that, um, you know, Al Sharpton ran for president. Mm-hmm. Jesse Jackson. Uh, Jesse Jackson, of course, ran for president. You you, you know, and, uh, Frederick Douglass ran for vice president mm-hmm. with, a, mm-hmm. with a woman as the presidential nominee on the ticket. <laughs> And when you think about what happened and how all that stuff, the possibilities of what could have been before Andrew Johnson mm-hmm. created that compromise mm-hmm. that 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 basically ended Reconstruction and all those black senators and everything that was going on. And there's it, actually just posted on Facebook today, too. You should check it out because they even talk about a lot of the black senators and stuff and what happened to them and how different militias, even in, in Georgia, went in and just kill them basically like what would have what was going to happen on january 6th exactly exactly mm-hmm. there you go there's no way to whitewash what happened this this past january i mean it was an insurrection that was premeditated and and now look what's happening in georgia all these these laws and and and, and oppressive ways to prevent people from voting right the whole idea of the of the vote that that your vote is just as powerful as somebody else's vote. To to disenfranchise and roll back the clock and prevent that is, if you want it in a very constitutional way, is un-American. Yeah. So anyway, the point is, is that Martin was was appreciated and and loved and respected in our home. And for somebody Mm -hmm. to do this, who happened to be white, I think in my mind, it was like, you know, you don't get it. You don't get it, you know. Right. You don't get it because if you were Black, you, you would understand what this meant, what this means to us, you know, that right. kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it it, 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 it it did upset me, you know. Everybody's different. This goes back to, to what we were talking about, how we kind of started out 
talking about the DNA of music, finding the influences in music, yeah, finding the folk rhythms that was the basis of 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 say classical music, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 how the folk music where that came from, and the similarity yeah. and resonances that has with folk music in other places around the world. Yeah, absolutely. That if you sort of get past the layers and see where things do connect on that other level. Yeah, the foundational level. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Then you think about human beings, just how how we interact with each other. How 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 can we get past the 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 constructs that we've created that separate us out as mm-hmm. opposed to identifying the things that we have in common that we can build mm-hmm. on. Yeah, most definitely. 